Welcome back, everybody, to the Check-In Podcast, your favorite podcast. You are now tuned in to a special limited series called The Cinephiles. Yes, that's a play on words. This is a special series where we talk about all things cinema, from the writing to the directing, cinematography, the purpose, everything that encompasses a film. We sit here and we talk about it. Um, Today, Ian's not with me, but some days he will be, and we'll be talking about the films that interest us. Today, we have special guest, Nehemiah Thompson. And we're going to be rapping about Snowfall, the greatest show on television, in my opinion, at the moment. Um, but before we get into like what we're talking about, you guys know that every week I check in with you guys saying, if you could use one word to describe your week so far, what would that word be? But this week, since we're doing a film series, I'm going to check in just a little bit differently with you guys, if, if you guys don't mind. So I'm going to ask my guests, my audience, and myself, Three check-in questions that I have right here. And the three questions are, what did you recently watch that made you cry? What did you recently watch that made you laugh? And what did you recently watch that made you curious, like beyond the programming? You know, when you when you left the programming, you want to look up something that you saw on the show or the film, or you just wanted to watch more things about that. So because Nehemiah is our guest, he's going to go first. And, you know, he sent me the stuff beforehand, but it might have changed. So, Nehemiah, I'm going to ask you, what did you recently watch that made you cry, made you laugh, and made you curious? Something I watched that made me cry was yesterday I watched The Parent Trap. And it wasn't even, like, sad tears. Mm-hmm. It was like, damn, this is, like, a, a really nice story. Feel good. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, you, you need you need some stuff like that. Shows that, or movies, like, media that made me laugh, probably I did a double feature of Head of State. Mm-hmm. With Chris Rock and um, Bernie Mac. Okay. And Undercover Brother. Okay. Always a feel good. But another thing that's like a TV show side, because we talk, we are talking about Snowfall. Mm-hmm. I watched Southside on HBO. And that is oh, a you very were talking about that. that is a very funny show. Uh-huh. And I, I hope everybody watches it. And I, I hope you guys watch it while it's like still in circulation now. Because I don't want it to be one of those things where it's like it gets canceled, then everybody watches it. Like it's it's pretty good, it's for really funny. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. Have you seen High Fidelity? I've seen the movie and the show, and I, I like you, you I like, like both the show? of them. Yeah. So you're upset when it got canceled? Not really, because I you know I I knew how it was going in. Mm-hmm. You see you know you see the movie. Okay. But it it was a good show. I, Zoe Kravitz deserves a change. No, because you brought up a point. Speaking of Zoe Kravitz, she looks amazing in the Batman. Batman trailer. Yeah. Amazing. Like I'm about to go. I'm I'm not even like a DC type person. Like I've seen. Sorry, sorry to drift off. But I've seen The Dark Knight and. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a bad film. I, it's not a good Batman movie. I I don't think it the the hype. People kept saying it's the greatest superhero movie. It's the greatest superhero movie. So I watched it expecting to see the greatness. And I'm sitting here like, okay. I think what The Dark Knight has is Nolan's signature mystery. Okay. But that's not Batman. And like, Batman is, you know... He's the protector. He's the watchman. He's the the overseer of Gotham. It's like in the Dark Knight, he doesn't do that. He does that mm-hmm. a lot in Batman Begins. And I, I think that's the best out of those three movies. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, and um, Dark The Dark Knight. Yeah, I think that's the best one. I haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises or Batman Begins. Uh, you know, you ain't got to watch The Dark Knight Rises. The is, is The Dark Knight Rises the one with Blade? I mean, what's with, the name? Uh, Bane. Bane. Terrible movie. <laughs> I said Blade. I'm Terrible sorry. Movie. Y'all see how much I don't know about Batman, nor do I care. That's what my brother said. He was just like, Cameron, you thought The Dark Knight was bad. It gets worse. It, it does get worse. <laughs> it's like, 
you know, and Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. you know, Inception, like he he can make good movies. Yeah, that's not he. I don't know what happened. So, what did you think about uh, Tenant? I I saw like half of it. Tenant was a hard watch, and I saw that in theaters. And I'm sitting here like I already knew I was going to see a Christopher Nolan movie, so I'm like, you need to lock in, you need to focus, like you don't want to miss anything. And I watched the I watched the entire movie, Robert Pattinson, uh, John David Washington, and all. And I'm just sitting here like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it was a, it was you know, it was so so. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, the TikTok sound like if you the girls like get it, get, get it, it. Like, the girls like, like yeah. I, I wasn't one of the ones that got it, uh-huh. but I can appreciate those who like this is the greatest movie of twenty twenty one. Like it, it was it was cool. The <laughs> half I saw was cool. Uh-huh. Uh The half I didn't see. I'm, I'm guessing it's not cool, so because I turned it off. So it it, it, it was know. everybody got paid. Congrats to them. Yeah, literally. Shout out, shout out, shout out to that. That's all I have to say. But, we derailed a little bit. But your last question is: What did you recently watch that made you like curious beyond the programming? Um, show probably Euphoria because mm-hmm. I have so many questions and there's so many plot holes and there's mm-hmm. so much to unpack there, <laughs> and not even in a good way. So. <laughs> I like that something I I like I'm I'm really deep into why why is it like this okay but um uh, yeah in a good way probably black and white um oh film we're black just and, about. yeah mm-hmm. great movie uh kind of delves into like the the I don't want to say like the underbelly but like what makes people people and what makes hip hop culture and black culture so appetizing to like white non-black audiences mm. and like how they how their whole lives kind of revolve around it gotcha you know and it's it's a good watch I, I i recommend everybody to you know try it try it out yeah we talked about it and when you were telling me all the people in it you said raekwon method man yes raekwon method man mike tyson has a cameo uh-huh robert downey jr um oh wow jared leto brooke shields Oh, see, now I'm going to watch it. I mean, I was already going to watch it when we talked about it, but right. I mean, you bringing up all these, you didn't say all those people. He said all the black people first. Those are the important ones. I mean, they, they are. Black History Month. Black History Month. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Black History Month, let me answer my own questions. Black History Month edition. What did you recently watch that made you cry? Um. Oh, so speaking of Snowfall, I'm the type of person that... I'm definitely like a crier in shows, movies, all that stuff. Like certain shit just just hits me hard. And like Snowfall like did that. Like with season four, by the way, if you haven't seen Snowfall, this episode, this episode is a complete spoiler. So do yourself a favor, catch up, finish the first four seasons. Season five comes out Wednesday, February 23rd, and then come watch this episode. But um, yeah, Snowfall made me cry. Something that made me laugh recently. Shout out to Abbott Elementary. That show is so fucking funny. Very good show. Um, I I love the way that they like. It's a comedy, and it's always a comedy. It's not even like a dramedy with. It's not even like a dramedy that's mainly comedy with comedic elements. It's a complete comedy, except for like they touch on like real issues within the public school system, in a really funny way, and it doesn't feel like. You know, it doesn't feel draining. So Abbott Elementary made me laugh. And then something that made me curious beyond the programming was in my Blacks in Film class at uh, Howard, I saw Eve's Bayou. Mm. And I've seen like all, all the shows that I'm watching in this Blacks in Film class, like I've seen either in passing or I've seen like, you know, bits and pieces of it thinking that I've seen the whole movie. But I finally sat down and watched the entire movie from beginning to end. And... I was more so curious about um, 
not necessarily the plot, but like just like the gothic South and like how people like portray portray that in film. I want to watch some more films that portray the gothic South because the only like reference I can remember or like a film that I've seen that um, portrays that is Beyonce's Lemonade film. Or what and her- Lovecraft Country. Yes. Yeah, and we did Lovecraft say that. Country. Her visual album and Lovecraft, Lovecraft yeah. Country. Those are the like only two only two films that I've seen in that genre. So watching Eve's bio and seeing that genre, it was kind of ahead of its time, like editing wise, um, editing wise and directing. Like I, I think that was a really well edited and directed film. So that made me curious beyond, uh, beyond the programming. But now we talk about the show of the hour, which is Snowfall. And for those of you guys out there who don't know what Snowfall is, Snowfall is a show created, directed, written by the late, great John Singleton. And it's about the infancy of the crack era and the man who basically brought the drug to his hometown, like literally his his, his home block and um, created a drug empire off of this. So with that being said, why do you like Snowfall? What's your favorite aspect about Snowfall? Uh, it's a broad question, but let's just start there. Um, why do I like Snowfall? I'm a, first of all, I'm a fan of crime shows and shows where we root for the bad guys. Like I was one of those kids who mm-hmm. went to see Revenge of the Sith. And I enjoyed all the parts where Anakin, you know, was being Darth Vader. I mean, he was just so tough. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like he was definitely like really I really a boss. Yeah, because I I've been Star Wars. Uh, I'm gonna say maybe like a couple years ago, before like the very last one came out in this oh, new yeah. trilogy trilogy. And so I, I, but I watched it in chronological order. Yeah. So I'm just sitting here like seeing Anakin, like you know, like go from being an orphan basically and meeting Queen Amidala and all that stuff and then him being the bad guy like that was a crazy character arc but yeah I didn't mean to cut you off so no you straight you like who who can't talk about Star Wars for hours yeah facts. but like I, I love to see the antagonist be the main like character mm-hmm. so it's that aspect but another thing is like I'm a big fan of John Singleton mm-hmm. and like you know Boys in the Hood Higher Learning mm-hmm. and I think this show really was like a master class in him saying, I can do great movies and I can do great TV shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you see it in the way that the structure is of the show and just how there's plot holes and there's things that are unanswered, mm-hmm. but they're intentional. It's not, you know, you're not left wondering. Right. You know, it's like every question you have is going to get answered eventually. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's not in a way where you feel like the story is incomplete. And I think, you know, the team at Snowfall, John Singleton, you know, rest in peace. I think they set up a great rubric for what the show is today. And it's, you know. I, I definitely think so too, because I when he passed away, I was kind of anxious to see like how the show would turn out. Right. Like but where does it go? I, yeah. Like I was I was afraid that they were going to lose like the Singleton vision. Because mm-hmm. I remember we talked about this earlier and you were saying like, this is basically like him flexing his muscle. Literally. Which I like completely agree with like snowfall i i do like drug shows you know i watch all the power series um i haven't started bmf yet but i also i watched uh what's the thing called the wire only the first season i see i've seen the wire so don't don't judge me out there um i'm gonna watch the sopranos and i heard breaking bad is good too i never seen breaking bad okay i 
I have no urge to. I have, I don't have an urge to either, yeah. but everybody's always talking if about it. They say that's the greatest show, mm-hmm. but like I think The Sopranos is the greatest show. I haven't seen The Sopranos yet, but that is on my watch list. But I I don't think this this show is definitely a drug show, but it's just not your it's not your average drug show. Like, and I don't think it, and it doesn't come from a place of um, look how good this gangster's living. You know what I'm saying? With like a lot of like, I feel like a lot of drug shows, like like Power glorifies like the only the only way I would compare Snowfall and Power is that they're both shows with drug elements. That's mm. that's pretty much it. But like with Power, you don't you don't really see the effects of like what they're selling has on the people that they're selling to. It's like this. It's like a, a centralized kind of. We follow the main character because I, I never seen Power. Oh, okay. So it's like yeah, it's like, it's like you follow the main character as they do their business. You follow the main character's family, but like you never see like you don't really see the main character in their community like that. Oh wow! And, and like the thing about like power is that Ghost is like the distro. Oh, so you don't even see the dealers. You see some. You see the dealers, but like you don't see them like a lot. Whereas like Franklin had to work his way up from being a dealer to being a distro to being the connect stuff like i mean he's not the connect now but like he he had to work his he he started something from the ground up and he's working his way up there and you're seeing you're seeing him start shit from the ground up whereas in power he's already established yeah and so like all that like stuff that you would see that would run into somebody who's just starting out you don't necessarily you don't see that in power like you do in snowfall but like i said i think snowfall is just such a good show because it's not just Franklin is the protagonist and he is the main character that we follow. But like we see how like his actions impact his community and we see how. um, Yeah, we see how his actions and how this drug impacts his community. And just the thing about crack is just like. It's. It's a fairly new drug, like it's not like heroin that was that's been out. It wasn't like. um sherm where like people used to dip their cigarettes in 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 sherm and shit like that like this is post uh post 60s with all our black leaders post 70s black panther movement this is the coming of age story for franklin saint and it's what a lot of people's coming age stories look like in the rock cocaine era in the u.s and i think like what do you think about the way that they combined all of these themes into like one one plot i should say without being like too on the nose with every single thing i think the thing snowfall has done since season one was kind of always like a you chip at the iceberg a little bit Mm -hmm. so you know when franklin meets avi it's like a chip at the iceberg and then he meets reed and there's another chip at the iceberg and then he's you know dealing Mm -hmm. and he puts on leon he puts on kevin you know it's like it's it's always a chip at the iceberg so it's like the iceberg is slowly getting smaller and smaller mm-hmm. to where this gap is mm-hmm. that Franklin, you know, is the outsider trying to get in and is now inside. Because this season is he's in Colombia, right? Or he's in Belize or he's I know he's just he's setting up his own shop, getting his own product, you know, doing it. Yeah. Doing it really like hands on. So he's like really, you know, he's inside. And I think they're they're kind of molding it all around because this is probably going to be more when he's like, like a deeper connection with the government, mm-hmm. a deeper connection with like how 
this you know crack is destroying basically destroying his community yeah because like we we see you know wanda and we saw um what was the girl's name mel right how she had the the full ride to spellman mm-hmm. and she you know she partied a little too hard and then boom so it's like you you can see it and it's like now we're about to get the full like aspect because we also had the the gang war mm-hmm. and it's like you know him and scully like it's, it's about to get real deep yeah it's season four gets really deep because what i like about the show it's like it, it shows you how like crack like touched like every every person's life like during that time in a different way like you you were selling this extremely addictive drug. And you know, I looked it up when I was watching the first season back like a couple of years ago. I looked it up. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like, well, what made crack so special? Like I'm co- people it's do cheap. I mean it's cheap, but yeah. people do cocaine all the time. And I don't see people like, you know, completely strung out. But the difference between crack and, and cocaine is one crack is rocked up cocaine. And the thing of what makes crack so addictive is that your high comes within like the first like 30 seconds of you inhaling and then it um it lasts for about i want to say five minutes to half an hour so that's not a long high at all whereas like where i looked up weed it's like your high will come within like the first 15 to 30 minutes of smoking and it could last anywhere between an hour and five hours so when you look at a drug that not only is it cheap but it's extremely addictive and you get the high instantly, I see like, okay, this is how it was moving in the streets like that. What I do enjoy that this show touches on is not only how um, addictive that it was, but how one, it was like destroying our communities in different ways. Like gangs were like, it was, I, I remember watching this documentary on Netflix called Crack, Corruption, no, Cocaine, Corruption, and Crime or... Is it still on there? Yeah. But um it was it they were some of the people were saying like it was like the first drug you see where like it was taking literal mothers away from their children. Like you you see like fathers abandon children all the time, and that's not to like shit on fathers, but like low key it's kinda easier to it's easier to abandon a child that you literally didn't push out of your, your body. Yeah. So for mothers to be abandoning their children in over the search of this high. Yes. Yeah. And in, in search of this high and like, you know, people just killing each other. Like, I, I don't think I don't think we um every generation has their thing, especially black people. But I don't think we understand like how much was targeting targeting our community at that time. And we literally no, I don't think people see crack as an epidemic. Like they label it as an epidemic, but like that was li- literally taking a lot of us out. Like we had crack the addiction, we had gang violence that's ripping, like killing everybody. Like we're we're going to war in our communities. We're going to war in our neighborhoods. Like I know I see people on um Twitter, like not even Twitter, but just people talking about how <clears throat> the United States. Uh, can't afford a war on like a war, a domestic war. Uh, the last domestic war that we had in the U.S. was the Civil War, and I'm sitting here like, oh y'all really like don't understand that niggas was really going to war during the crack era, like literally like riding up in their cars, spraying shit down. Like our communities were in war, and so like just seeing how they tie in community survival race into this show, um, 
I definitely see it more as like a, it's a fictional show with, with nonfiction details. Right. But it's, it's giving like, it, it's giving like documentary because like, even though these are made up, um, scenarios, I was, yeah, even though these are made up characters, they're not made up scenarios. Yeah. So, so yeah. Who's, who's your favorite character on the show? Uh, probably Franklin. You know, like, I feel like it's mm-hmm. the easy answer. Um, cause he is our main guy. Mm-hmm. And while the story, I would say the story, you know, it doesn't revolve around him. Mm-hmm. I think he is a central point. And, um, you know, every, like everything that's, I think everything comes back to Franklin, whether it's focused on him or not. Mm-hmm. And throughout the episode or throughout the season or whatever, like everything's always going to wrap back around to Franklin. So I like that he is this like, you know, he's this pivotal part of the show mm-hmm. while, you know, I would say like, while like Wilkes being, you know, this mm-hmm. hands off factor and so many things that go on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think like a, like a big thing is like you brought up how when you cried when Leon killed Scully's daughter and how that was directly Franklin's fault. Yeah, he had nothing to do with it. No, that was exactly that was directly Franklin's fault because Franklin, what I think is what we, what we forget a lot of times. Well, what, at least what I forgot watching the show is that Franklin is very young. Season one, he's nineteen. Season four, he's like so he's season four. one, he's nineteen. I thought he was in high school. No, he he had got came back from college because he couldn't afford it. That was college. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought he was in high school. No, he came back from college because he couldn't afford it, and so. He was back um, trying to work, get some money. For I thought he went to when you talking about the last episode, and it shows the backstory of how he was at school, and he met the he met the the guy whose dad did porn. But I'm saying I thought oh he he met that dude in high school. Oh right, okay. yeah they they're high school friends, but Franklin was in college when we met him. And oh yeah yeah okay yeah he was in college when when he met him, and like sometimes Franklin would go up there like during the summertime to hang out and, and stuff like that. Right, but. Like I said, I think what we forget a lot of times is that uh, Franklin was 19 when he started his drug business. And in season four, when he's literally, you literally see people fighting over territories because, you know, crack is lucrative. So everybody's trying to make as much money as possible. And you have to think about like, for him to be starting this drug business at 19, like what could make a 19 year old want to start selling a drug and hurting their community like that. And speaking of community, who is Franklin's community? Because when I think of community, I think that you look out for your community, but he's literally selling them like a drug. So do you think Franklin like sees his community as like a whole, like, like he is a a protector and a leader in the black community? Or do you think his community is just him and his family, the St. Crew? I think that Franklin's, Franklin views the community as a whole probably as like a as a commodity like mm-hmm. you know like it's it's liquid it doesn't have to be there mm-hmm. so he can I think that's how he's able to you know distribute and sell this crack like because he doesn't feel like this is his responsibility so I think in short his community is you know him and his family mm-hmm. and the same crew but I think you know ultimately I feel like his community is the government. Because, you know, Reed and the CIA are the ones who are, you know, kind of like filtering this stuff in Mm -hmm. and Franklin is helping them. So he's helping the greater good 
which is not always the greater good. You know, I, I think in the beginning, he thinks he's helping his community. I think, well, what I know, what he says at the end of season three is after he gets shot, it's just like he he estimated correctly how lucrative this drug would be. He underestimated the cost. And by the cost, like he he underestimated like like people's lives are being like completely destroyed. And everybody has a choice. Do you think Franklin has a choice in being a drug dealer? Like, do you think he has the ability to walk away or no? I want to say, yeah, mm-hmm. because we all have free will and we all can make these choices. And, you know, like if you if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you sometimes get yourself caught in a situation and you're in too deep. And it's like, it's a, you know, it's sometimes very difficult to get out of a sticky situation. And I think that's where Franklin is. Mm-hmm. Um, like even when he was in rehab and he was trying to, you know, filter his money elsewhere, like and try to, you know, launder it, try to be a little cleaner, like with the speaker business, I think, and the the shelter. But I'm like, I think he he knows that he's in too deep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it would be selfish. I th- and I think that's back to the community. Mm-hmm. I think he knows it would be selfish if he got out. Mm-hmm. So he's trying. I think that's him, you know, worrying about his community a little bit. You think it would be selfish if he got out? I mean, you know, I think I think that's how he's viewing it. Like he he wouldn't be able to to, you know, help out the people that need to be helped out in the short term, like in the shorthand, you know, if he's not around because the because he's the facilitator Mm -hmm. in a lot of stuff. So at this point, do you think is personal survival greater than the cost of your community? Is do you think Franklin is trying to survive or do you think he's trying to thrive? Because if you're trying to survive, I would say he has he has enough money to do that by now. Um, I think that it's one of those things that he bounces, you know, in between. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it's that's that was a good like you know like point. Like I feel like it it you know tiptoes every season. I think like in the beginning he was trying to thrive, mm-hmm. I guess, and then now he's in survival mode and. Like it, it, it definitely flip flops with what is going on in his life. Like when he's trying to survive the war with Man Boy and Scully, mm-hmm. and then like you know he's thriving when everything is good. I think I think that's like a a, a climax thing, like a climax thing though. Like cause he gets shot and then mm-hmm. you know he's he's trying to survive. So I think that because uh, in season four when Louis and Jerome went down to Little Rock. Yeah. To set up Arkansas. They they stepped out on him. Yeah. Well, no, Franklin asked him to do that. I'm well, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, I feel like the season five is opening up and Louie wanting to be she wants to be the head. She wants to do her own thing. So her, I think, her getting shot definitely had something to do with that. Yeah, like I feel like she's like, you know, less. No matter like Leon's his best friend, Jerome's his uncle. His mom is his mother, but like Louis really is Franklin's right hand. Mm-hmm. Like she's the one that helped him sell the first bird because he brought that to Jerome. Okay, another question: Who do you think is like most responsible for for getting Franklin to the drug business? Like, do you think it was Franklin himself, his mother, Louis, Jerome? And I say all that because like I think him seeing what his mom didn't have gave him the ambition to get it by any means 
That um, I say if we're pointing fingers, I would say Louis. Okay. Cause you know, she definitely was an enabler. I mean, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you can. I feel like you can have enablers in good situations. But um, I feel like you know, personal responsibility. Like it was his decision mm-hmm. to you know jump off the porch, and um, it's one of those situations where it worked out. So I think it's it's personal responsibility too. I don't. Yeah. I think regardless of Franklin's intentions, I still think like, I think he's been selfish from the beginning. Honestly, like I understand that he was like, I'm trying to make you guys money. I'm trying to get us out of this, which he did. But like, again, going back to how young he is, he brought, he brought that first um, kilo of Coke to his uncle and said like, can you help me with this? And you know, weed and Coke are two completely different things. Like anybody could, could sell weed. Two different markets, two, two different, two different everything. markets, yeah. everything. Like you gotta, you gotta look a certain way to sell certain shit. And he came to his uncle with that, and he was just like, his uncle was just like, "This right here is gonna get you killed. Take this out my house. I'm not right. helping you sell this." And Franken is just like, "If I don't sell this, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, pretty much." And so that's when Louis is like forced to help him sell it because like Louis, Louis his aunt. So like him, her and Jerome been together for a minute. So. Louis sees Franklin as her child just as much as Jerome does, just as much as Sissy does, all that. But um, I think that Franklin, as we keep going back to how young he is, I think he put his family in a very dangerous situation without calculating like how dangerous it would be. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as he got some money, he should have moved the whole family out the neighborhood. Right. Like nobody should have been staying in the neighborhood. Like they, they should have been playing things a lot safer. And then like. On top of that, he doesn't, like we said, Louis is his right-hand man, and he doesn't really listen to Louis, because we see in season four, Louis told him to go after Manboy and not Scully. I think a big part that we see is Franklin's pride mm-hmm. plays a lot into the decisions he makes, like buying his mother's house when she asked him to not worry about it, mm-hmm. and she, you know, like to have that sense of, I'm not, I'm not going to say security, but like he has this feeling that. I did this for you. Mm-hmm. I was able to do this for you. I was able to get us here. You know, and he even says like, you know, I get us out of everything. I get us out of every motherfucking thing. Yeah, like yeah. He, he, I think he holds that sense of pride that he is the guy to go to. Mm-hmm. And I think that really does kind of hinder his decision making sometimes. He hasn't, he has an ego trip. Yeah, he does. Which is like. It's annoying to see. Damson, Damson Idris is a really good actor because you see that when he's giving advice on, on what to do and mm-hmm. saying like, you know, you can't do this, you know, you can't do that. And you can see him contemplate it and like consider that that is a good option, but because I didn't come up with it. Right. I'm it's not, not gonna, I'm not going to do it, which is not ins- a viable option, which is insane. Yeah. It's, in, it's insane. And I think like, um, you know, he, him not making the right decision is causing other people to make decisions for him i know in the beginning like franklin's talking about what the white man has and what i don't have and i'm playing their their game by my rules and stuff like that i see franklin as and this is where like franklin is a capitalist he's getting greedy he has more than enough money to do what he wants to do um he's getting greedy and he's doing it at the cost of other people's lives and so in the beginning franklin makes it seem like He's pursuing this just drug empire based, kind of based on race to help his people, help his community, put money back in his community. Do you think his decisions now are influenced by his race or influenced by other more things? I was going to say that a lot of the times 
that is like a motif mm-hmm. in things like this. Like these people want to sell drugs and they want to have the empire and they want to do crime to uplift their communities. Mm-hmm. And like like the Sopranos, like a lot of the reasons why the mafia exists, I'm saying, you know, quote the mafia, but you know, mm-hmm. it exists is because they wanted to uplift Italian people when the police weren't. So it's like, there's a, there's a certain switch when, you know, you're, it goes from uplifting the community at a mm-hmm. whole and your race to uplifting yourself. Right. And I think that Franklin has, you know, he's done enough for the community, open mm-hmm. the shelter. You know, like, I feel like he's like, I'm going to keep uplifting the community, but in short, my community, you know, and yeah. then even shorter myself. myself. Right. So I think that's just where he is with it. And So do you, so do you think that Franklin views, um, so again, is, is Franklin's personal survival more worth more to him than like his community impact because even though he's still seeing like it's fucking crazy out here like niggas is killing killing each other uh people are like so strung out that you know families are getting torn apart and abandoned um i also like so the 1994 crime bill that bill clinton initiated is a direct result of the crack cocaine era and i was talking to my mother about it because Bill Clinton was a Democrat, you know, black, most black, black people are, are known for being Democrats. I think that after post-Trump era, we're going to be less known for being Democratic and more known for being abstinent in voting or just being more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Open. I, I, I want to say open because I feel like what we're, what we're, because I, you know, we are young, mm-hmm. we're 22, you know, like we're. I feel like we're really hitting the ground running with politics. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, us growing up and we're in, you know, a push and we're learning about the government. And it's like now we're in this position where we can vote. Mm -hmm. It's like it's not as clear as black and white. Mm -mm. It's really not as clear as Democrats are the good guys. Republicans are the bad guys. It's like, like, I feel like Biden is this he's like this anomaly where we're seeing the lies that, you know, a president could tell mm-hmm. and like to get the vote. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, like, I'm a, I'm a cancel student loans. It's like, right. okay, well, we're going to cancel them. Like we're waiting. Right. So, right. Like I'm a, I'm a handle, you know, I'm, I'm going to handle COVID. Okay. Like mm-hmm. handle it. So it's, you know, I feel like now we are like, like, let's be open. Let's not just vote Democrat mm-hmm. because, you know, Bill Clinton played the saxophone, you know, like, cause Joe Biden, was on hot nine seven. Like I feel like it's it's time. I'm not say like I'm I'm not gonna say I'm a Republican or anything. But I'm saying it's time for us to really dig deep into what these politicians are saying. Yeah, and and, and vote better. And yeah, so, like, and, and that's why like I brought up like the 1994 crime bill being a direct result of the crack cocaine era because I was talking to my mom about it and I'm just like because when I was doing some research I'm like I'm like mom y'all voted for the crime bill mm-hmm. and she was just like she was like Cameron you don't even understand she was just like as a community we didn't know what to do like she was she was just like how people were just killing each other like it was it was getting she was like it was bad because at that point in time her and my dad lived in DC so you know crack cocaine where they live um they lived in northwest okay they lived in northwest I was because I was born at um Children's Hospital upstreet from Howard. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a 
<laughs> but um, she was just like how like, so, you know, like crack popped off in the 80s in California, but it made its way to like DC and the East Coast. And it was really crazy in the 90s. And that's yeah. when she lived. That's when her and my dad lived in DC. And she was just like, you don't understand. Like it was dangerous to drive at night. People were getting carjacked. I think in the 90s, at one point in time, DC was definitely the murder capital. It was DC and Baltimore definitely uh flip-flopped a few times. Yeah. The the murder the murder yeah. capital. And we had and that's the murder capitals in a lot of our inner, inner cities over shit like drugs, uh trafficking that we don't talk about in our community enough, how how we traffic our own people. They they touched on it in season three of The Shy. If you haven't seen The Shy, you should go see that show. That's a pretty good show. Um shout out to Lena Wade for doing that one thing, right? Um, <laughs> you got one. You got one thing under her belt. Yeah, yeah. I I feel her on that one. But um, yeah. Like just just how this era. I don't think Franklin, even though he's seeing everything in front of him, I still don't think he's he's calculating the the magnitude as to which this this will go. And he's mm-hmm. trying to keep something at bay that's bigger than himself. Literally at this point. At this point. Um, and he's doing this by helping fund an illegal war in Nicaragua by the United States. And just so you guys know, the war that was happening in Nicaragua was not approved by Con- Congress. Congress said, let me let me look up this documentary. Okay, it's called Crack, Cocaine, Corruption, and Conspiracy. And uh, it says it's a 2020 docu- 2021 documentary, film made for Netflix and directed by Stanley Nelson. Its story focuses on the emergence and effects of the 1980s crack epidemic epidemic in the United States, which resulted in negative effects on America's inner cities. With Franklin helping the CIA, again, going back to race, he's essentially working for the white man, even though he's saying he did this so that he wouldn't have to work for the white man. What do you think Franklin's last straw should have been in this, in this show, because there's so many things. There could it, it's like when he found out Teddy was CIA. His name, his real name, his alias is Reed Thompson. His real name is Teddy McDonald. He found out Teddy was CIA when he saw Mel get on get on drugs and like basically destroy her life. When he got shot. When Louis got shot. When he when that little girl got got killed. Because even though like like you said, even though um, Franklin was not there, like that situation was his fault. Even though like in the episode, he, he tries to, um, Leon, Leon is going under like a tremendous amount of guilt. And Leon's my favorite character, by the way, but Leon's going under a tremendous amount of guilt because he's like, you know, he sprayed up that car and Franklin's like, well, that little girl shouldn't have been in the car anyways. But I mean, like at that point in time with the game wars, like you could, you could say nobody should come out their house for real, for real. Cause everybody was getting killed. But what do you think Franklin's last straw really should have been? I feel like, you know, Stuff like this, uh, like paid in full, you know, at the last straw is always when the person gets shot. I feel like this really like a testament to Franklin showing, you know, how Teflon he is. Like he's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like to be funny, but like I'm built different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I think that should have been his last straw or I don't know, something. Like I feel like he goes through a lot of things that could be deemed as like, let me end this. And mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm built different. So I, I definitely applaud Franklin for all the things he goes through. And um his like headstrongness. He really keeps it going. And um He he does keep it yeah, going. He... I think you see the paranoia and the anxiety eating him up in season three and season four though. 
Like, especially when you have no night terrors, having night terrors, um, uh, just like hyperventilating, like really going through stuff. Like, it's amazing to see him. I, I would not be able to get a good night's rest at night. I'm telling you right now, if I was going through that amount of stress, I'd get maybe max four hours of sleep at night. Just just off like everything that I'd be handling alone. But um, not only is he tough, like freaking shot. I think Franklin got a a strong heart. I'm I'm surprised in the season five trailer to see him with another woman because both of his, his last girlfriend was the was man was a man boy's sister right or no, his his last girlfriend was man boy's uh cousin something no like no that. she wasn't related to man boy he just man boy just used her to basically get close to Franklin oh uh Scully's Scully's baby mother was man boy's Boy sister, sister yeah. yeah um but yeah like you know and, and the girl before him Mel I mean she did kill her dad Franklin killing the so. Cold hearted man, he cold hearted. Because that's like a, it's, it, that's like an unwritten rule. Like I feel like in the streets, like with most shows that I watch, one thing you don't do, you don't kill no cop. Like that's like, you can do almost anything else. You kill a cop, you're done. This man killed a cop who is his next door neighbor, who is the father of his girlfriend, who uh, became strung out on the drugs that he's putting out on the streets. So, and then after that, that's how she he gets shot because Mel, you know, she shoots him. I, um, I would, with two women betraying me like that, I'm not really trying to get in a relationship right. again. But again, here we go. We see him in season three. I guess he has to have a love interest. And so that's what happens. Now, we talked about Franklin's last straw and how he, like, he's built different. What do you think, how do you think everybody else handling, like, their last straw like how do you think that impacts the story between like louis and jermon wanting to go on their own leon saying i don't even want to do this no more leon i feel like leon has the most conscience he because he he's attached to wanda which is you know which mm-hmm. is rightfully so this is girl mm-hmm. so it's like he saw her get strung out he always got a soft spot for her he's he's eaten up at the fact that he killed this little girl like he mm-hmm. It's, I feel like he is going to be the person who, him and Scully, him and Scully are going to have big turnarounds. I think Scully, he might become like a youth pastor or something. <laughs> like he, you know, losing your daughter is definitely tough. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like losing your daughter in an indirect, I'm, I'm going to say direct action to something you did. Yeah. That's got to be different on him too. So I feel like, you know, that's another thing. I feel like John Singleton is a great storyteller at real emotions mm-hmm. like boys in the hood yeah like boys in the hood how ricky's death eats up at trey eats up at these people like it's like yeah he really shows that actions have consequences and and on the flip side people grieve like actions and people you know think about decisions and ponder on them and like you yeah. know it's just like it's, it's a it's one of those things where a filmmaker is showing you how well they can tell a story. How how well they can develop characters. Right. That's that's what I was hinting yeah. at. But, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Even though the story is focused on Franklin, I will say that they flesh out yeah. all of the characters very, very well. Yeah. From um, And they don't even have to, like, go on a full backstory. Like, it, it'll be the conversations that they have. the um, like Like, getting most of Louis' backstory through Claudia. Like how, because Claudia is basically a pimp for real, for real. She's a, a she pimps out young women, and um, Louis she was 
a prostitute at one point, but she's also like, she knew that wasn't going to be her life forever. Like she, she, where she is now with Franklin, she, she imagined her life to be like that. She said, I knew I was going to make money. I knew I was going to do this. I knew I was going to do that. Again, he fleshes out characters really well. And he, he does a really good job of making stories as complex as they can, because Franklin's father is a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. And he was a Black Panther. Yes. Franklin's father is, you know, a multi-layered man. And right. in the beginning, in the in the first season, we don't see too much of him. We see maybe like glimpses and pieces of him, but he's, you know, he had to go away because he wasn't clean. And then for Franklin in season four to be funding a shelter, a homeless shelter for his father, his father runs because his father was once homeless, recovering, blase, blase, blase. And to also be a drug dealer, like that's gotta be, that's gotta be crazy. And his parents giving him insight, like, again, he's wise for his age, but still age comes with wisdom. Yeah. And age comes with wisdom, especially in the time periods that you grew up in. Because like I said, like I was getting on my mom, like, how could you vote for the crime bill? Like, look what happened. Like we have police brutalities out of control right now. I mean, like it's always been bad, but I mean, I just feel like in, in the 2000s, it's just you know, skyrocketed. Like this is, I'm, and I'm sitting here like, this is a direct result of who you guys voted for and stuff like that. And then her telling me like her point of view of how like it was black people asking for the crime bill, at, black people asking for to for y'all to lock drug dealers up and stuff like that because we literally didn't know what the fuck to do with our communities. Franklin's father, I think, gives him like a good insight of to everything that we've survived as a community and what he's seen, how, how he's seen us survive as a community and telling him, you know, you didn't live the life that I lived, but I'm telling you right now, I what I'm seeing, I don't think we can survive this. Right. And so do you think that that should have been Franklin's last straw? Because that was obviously Alton's last straw. That's why Alton ended up exposing him. And he didn't even like, he never mentioned Franklin's name or anything like that. But exposing the CIA exposed their family. Um... The reason why I'll say no is because I think I I think black men mm-hmm. have complex relationships with their fathers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Franklin is no, you know, excuse to that. Like I feel like he him and his father have this complex relationship mm-hmm. where he doesn't fully trust Alton. Yeah. And, you know, he, he loves him. Right. And he never can view him as this person. That's, you know, this this integral piece of his life. Mm-hmm. But it's like he's going to keep him around. He's going to fund this. He's going to do whatever he can because he's he's his father. Right. And I think that. um, I think that, you know, he probably. He probably feels a certain way mm-hmm. about, you know, what his father did and helping Yuri and all that stuff. But it's like, was her name Yuri? Right. Oh, Irene. The reporter, yeah, Irene. I'm, I'm thinking. You know why? what? Not to be politically incorrect, but I was the actress kind of looked like the the character from the Spider Man video game. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking Yuri. Mm-hmm. But she, but I'm, you know, mm-hmm. that was that was kind of racist. I apologize for that. It, but it wasn't, it wasn't malicious. Yeah, it, it really wasn't. Like it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I feel like he has his own personal vendetta with his father, but mm-hmm. uh. I, I don't think that would have been his last straw because he already knew his father showed very little loyalty to him and his family. I feel like Alton is coming around to try to be a family man mm-hmm. that he wasn't all those years. Mm-hmm. But I think Franklin has always viewed this as like too little, too late. And uh, Yeah, so. he has. 
And even like with Alton coming back, like his parents are put in a tough position because I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my last job would be to abandon my child. Right. As a parent, that's like the last thing you're supposed to do. So it's like, yeah, my child's doing all this stuff, but like at the same time, like this shit is dangerous. And as a parent, like you, you, you raising somebody because, oh, the, the last episode last night between, it was a standoff between um, Reed Thompson and his father after he exposed Reed Thompson. And everybody's getting on a plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, he's telling Reed Thompson, you're not going to use my son for, to fund your war anymore. My son is a child. And Reed is like, your son is the largest distributor of crack cocaine in the world. And I think that like was like, it was such a simple line, but it showed you like Franklin's parents, that's going to always be their child. And like, that's always going to influence the decisions that they make. And so like, speaking of characters, like how, what do you think the characters represent? Mm. That's, that's probably a question best answered when the show's done. To me, like, I feel okay. like you can give, we can give an answer. Mm-hmm. And I could think about an answer, but I'm like, it, some, you know, in the the snap of an episode, somebody's complete art can change. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I like perfect example is Scully, his, his willing yes. mercilessness to kill Franklin, to kill Leon, to kill all these people. And it's like, once his daughter died, he, he felt none of that. He, he was complete, like no malice was in his heart. No, you know, like he just. He wanted his daughter back. Yeah. And that changed his, you know, arc for the rest of season four. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's like a, a question best answered when we can when we can rewatch and we can really go in and see, you know, what like what were their intentions and how how their characters were fully fleshed out in the end. Okay. So so far, do you think um so there's obviously protagonist and antagonist who do you think is the antagonist you think franklin's the antagonist or you think he's the protagonist i think that this or i can do we can do this i think that the show and i think a lot of shows on tv they they um they kind of show morality as this thing that we all are like it's fluid like yeah. you know there's no like we talked about this but there's no mm-hmm. good and bad people in this world because mm-hmm. we make good and bad decisions. Right. So I think that Franklin is this, he's, you know, in the middle ground where he makes a few good decisions, but primarily he makes bad decisions, but you know, like yeah. the, he tries to make good decisions to offset the bad things that he does. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I, I agree with that. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like I, I, after seeing season four, I think Franklin, Franklin is completely like a bad guy now. Like gen- genuinely speaking, like season four, I feel like, and you know, season four in television, in my opinion, like th- that's like, if you make it to a season four, that's your season that'll either make or break your show. Cause like the first season people give you grace. The, well, the first season, some people give you grace. It depends on like how, uh, like how famous and, and respected, like the people working on the show are. But season one, people give you grace. Season two, like, if you're, if you're thinking about a TV show for a lot of seasons, like, you're still fleshing out people. Season three, we saw season three ramp up a little bit. But season four is where we saw really, like, the effects of, like, almost every decision that he has made up until that point completely, like, backfire on him. Because even with, like, 
Mel. Like he, um, at the end of season four, the last episode, he told her, he was just like, you know, when you shot me, I was like, <laughs> he, he, again, he, he doesn't, he never admits to killing her father, even though he did. And that was kind of surprising. when Always he, omit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm an omission guy. Yeah, no, 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 no. Of course. But it was kind of surprising. That definitely surprised me when he killed uh, Andre in his home, like in season three, because I think that's when I I saw the the psychotic like part, like switch flip in his head. Because after he did it, he was like, (sighs) and like, like, just like, wow, I just did that. And kind of like didn't have like any like, I want to say remorse. Like he was, it, it didn't matter what it took. He was going to protect his business. And so, like I said, I feel like Franklin is, is a going into season five. I, d- I definitely think he's completely the bad guy. I think for you to start out as such a pro-black person and like, you know, we need to build up our community and then go and work for the CIA as they bring in drugs into our community. I think he's completely a bad guy. I also think Reed Thompson is completely a bad guy. Like they try to like, give him like a sense of morality in the show. And it never appeals to me because I I 110% believe like had Franklin been a white drug dealer pumping crack into white communities, one, the police would have caught on way faster. And two, he would have gotten his shit shut down because it's like, oh, you're killing white people. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, and I also don't think, do you remember in season four when he uh, went to Nicaragua or Read, yeah, oh, yeah, you Teddy, you know, when he mm-hmm. went and he like saw the villagers and he was looking for the soldiers, and mm-hmm. like, you know, like I feel like, um, I agree with you. I think trying to humanize him as a character doesn't always work, but you know, I feel like that's what you have to do. You gotta, yeah, you, I feel like you, as it's a so responsible thing, as yeah, a like as a, as a, you can't just have the bad guys and the good guys, like you know, as, as. As the audience, we look for, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of maybe there's an inkling of good in him. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're just giving the audience what they want. And they, I, but they don't do it in like a campy way where it's like, oh, you know, here's Reed trying to be a good person. Like, it's like, it's a, it adds to the story. It adds yeah. to the, the general motif of the, you know, the narrative. So, so what do you think about, so I, I, I find Franklin and Reed to be so similar. Like they're both in their respective careers. Uh, one one thing about Reed is he does not. It's crazy that he does not see himself as a drug dealer. Yeah. Um. Self reflection. You don't do a lot of that. He's not. He's not a self reflector. He's not. And I think that's a good point. He's he's, which is crazy to me. I'm like you. You're you're literally the only reason why cocaine is brought over the border. Mm-hmm. You you do it for for an exchange of money. And it's crazy because I feel like he has a different goal. Like everybody else has a money goal. Mm-hmm. I don't see Reed spend any of his money, use any of his money for like self-pleasure or anything like that. It seems like he's serving like he's serving the system, serving an institution, and he's doing all this undercover and he's not reaping any rewards. And there's multiple people that tell him like, there's Avi. There's the other CIA guy who's like kind of above him. Um, who else does this? And there's a there's another person that telling him that's telling him like, you know, maybe it's time for you to take a step back. Like, any any everybody on assignment has to take a step back at, at some point. But um, I think after his brother dies, is when he 
he kind of spirals. And I think they try to humanize him in that way too. But it's just like, still, like I, I, you can see like the, the benefits, well, the rewards to like Franklin's sacrifices and choices more clearly where you can't really see the, the rewards to read sacrifices and choices. Cause it's like, it doesn't seem like he's getting anything personally from this. And on top of that, it, what are you doing this for? Like, what do you think like Reed's like? I think Reed thinks he serves as a necessary evil. And I think that he thinks that he's just doing his duty. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's what I think. You know, like, I think that he might not show it and, you know, he might not show all his vices, but, you know, he definitely, he definitely, I'm not gonna say he enjoys it, mm-hmm. but he knows that like, it has to be done. I think, and I think that was a big thing when, you know, the other agent who plays things more by the book was kind of like, okay, what is, what is this generating? Why are we sending these guns here? Why are we sending this? You know, why, why? Mm-hmm. And he's like, because it has to get done. You know, I think like, he just thinks like this has to get done. He's 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 grieving. He's suffering from occupational burnout. But he's also um, what you'll see is that this is his new assignment. So he he used to be in D.C. and he fucked up really bad in D.C. And so he moved him across the country to go handle some. Oh, that's what it was. That that Hispanic guy, the the um, Alejandro. Yeah, that was his like uh, his Nicaraguan intel. And so he kills him for. He kills him for killing a girl that's missing. And then, yeah, he kills him for killing a girl that's missing. And then, again, Reed kind of has an interesting character arc because Reed is not like, when he starts out, he's very, he's getting his feet wet. And he's very much so, uh, this is just, I I think he he feels like if he does not continue to do this, he's failing his assignment and he's yeah, failing. Yeah, he thinks it's a necessary evil. Like he thinks that it's something that has to be done. Yeah, yeah. You know. That's uh, exactly. That's what it is. Now that we're talking about it, I can I can see that cuz I I forgot that like this is kind of him being benched. And so he's just like if I do this and I win this war, then or I help win this war, then uh, I'll get back in good graces with the government and I'll be able to do this, that, and the third, I'll get my purple heart, whatever, whatever. And people are trying to explain to him that's like, you know, what you're doing is not really helping anybody. And especially after his final straw should have been when the Congress voted no and they said they were not going to give any more money to fund this war. But he was already too deep and he already felt like, you know, he was failing. So he kept going. But... I do think that the characters represent the characters are very fleshed out and represent like, you know, just the situations that we're put into and how, and, and even though this is not a show completely, no, it's definitely influenced by race. I was going to say, even though show is not completely influenced by race, but I think race is like one of the main factors here. It's, it's definitely one of the main factors. And I think that, I like how this show shows like it shows a teeter totter between morality for black people, which I enjoy because like a lot of times people look at us at our community as if we make choices that hurt us um, in a self deprecating way because we don't give a fuck about each other or don't give a fuck about us. When in reality, like a a lot of times, again, we're like forced into these situations because regardless, cocaine was going to come over the border regardless. 
regardless, uh, people were going to sell drugs, buy drugs in our community regardless. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it shows like, you know, time and time again, when black people are, are like put up against, like we're put up against the wall. And sometimes we have to, we feel like we have to take things into our own hands in order to, to get ahead. And when we're not realizing that, what I don't think Franklin realizes is that he's trying to play play a system that's been founded way before him. And he's going into it naively, which is why, again, I don't think everybody around Franklin besides Leon is older than him. So I don't think he 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 takes advantage of the wisdom that age has with the people around him. I don't think even though he says he's doing stuff for his community over and over again, I don't think he's like utilizing his community to the best of his ability. I think that Franklin sometimes views a situation Mm -hmm. because you said that he doesn't utilize the age and his, you know, immediate circle. But I think sometimes he wants to experience something on a peer level. And that's why him and Leon are so in sync because they're both Mm -hmm. figuring out this, you know, this kind of, this path that they've took, they're figuring it out together Mm -hmm. because they're, you know, they are the same age. So I think that, because I I know I do that. I I know that I'm not always a, like a a seek wisdom. I want to figure it out with my peers and I want to figure it out with people who are like-minded like me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I think that Franklin sometimes definitely does do that. I think, but again, I think Lee, I think um, Franklin's narcissism is in the way of some shit too, because even, I think Leon is wise too. And I think Leon's wise because like, Franklin definitely has removed himself out of the community. Yeah. Like, even though he says he's doing stuff out of the community, he doesn't, he looks at everybody, like, as other. And then his family is like, this is the same crew. Because it's it's amazing how these things still have not changed Franklin's, like, business model or, like, his, his business-minded self. Whereas Leon, like, the first thing, like, when they were looking for Mel and Mel was on crack and they were saying she was with Wanda and Leon was... No, and Franklin was insulting Wanda, saying Wanda was weak. And Leon was like, you need to check yourself because you think we're making all this money because it's shit not addictive. I think like Leon is maybe not necessarily wiser, but he's definitely more in tune with his with his conscience and compassionate towards the people that he's selling to. Yeah. Whereas Franklin, like, that's why I say I think he's he's gonna be the villain this season because like a hundred percent, because like the compassion is not there. The uh, the conscience is just again. I don't know what what. Well, Franklin said he's scared of the CIA, but I don't. I I honestly truly believe that if this nigga wanted to stop, he could stop, and the CIA would find an, another person. Like it's like a hydra. Like this drug business, drugs have been sold in the U.S. I mean, since what? I mean, drugs and alcohol. I should say because alcohol you can be addicted to that. But like since since prohibition, which was like in the eighteen hundreds. So I mean, like we're nobody's new to this. Like selling drugs, all that stuff is is normal. Is normal shit. And of like, just because one dealer like takes a break, a new dealer will will, will form. Like, but I think Franklin knows that he can't win if he starts that war. If he gets out, the government, the mm-hmm. CIA, they definitely view him as, you know, like liquid. They mm-hmm. view him as something that's not important, mm-hmm. and they will cut off his water instantly. Okay. And um, you know, like like they'll like, you know, and like to to be frank, they'll kill him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he's, you know, 
kind of hesitant to maybe rock the boat like that because he knows that he got he already knows Reed has no no remorse towards him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he views him as a business partner. And right. in business you have no friends. So So do you think so do you think Franklin at this point cuz he can't still be chasing money. Do you think he's chasing money? Do you think he's chasing power? Do you think he's chasing like what do you think is like what do you think is this character's want at this point? And actually before we like, you know, end and and talk about like our last few points, what do you think is every character's point? I mean, every character's want at this point. Mm, I say in the short, I'll say Louis wants power. Okay. I'll say Jerome wants Louis. Right. I'll say that Leon wants Wanda. As much as he, you know, as much as he wants to to rid himself of her, you know, mm-hmm. he like he he want Wanda. Mm-hmm. I think Sissy wants Franklin's safety. Mm-hmm. And Franklin, you know. As a mother, I feel like that's her that's her role as protector. So she wants his safety. And I feel like Franklin wants um I, I don't know. I feel like he wants all of the above. He I think Franklin is the epitome of wanting his cake and eating it too. He wants he wants to have the money, the power, the respect, the mm-hmm. love, and you know, the security. Mm-hmm. And he I think that the show is trying to tell him like everything that happens is like he can't have all of that. Yeah. Exactly. Especially not safety because it not safety, I wouldn't say respect. He can't have safety. It's very hard the way he's been moving to get respect and loyalty too. Because mm-hmm. I remember in the episode with Man Boy, like Man Boy saying his final words and he's just like, You think that you're gonna survive this game and these two won't turn on you. And then we seen the last episode, they kind of turn on him. Like Jerome and Louis don't want to they don't want to kill Franklin. They don't wanna, you know, see him destroyed or anything like that, but they don't want to take orders from him anymore. They want their independence because every decision that they have made so far has landed them where they are. And then Leon, he doesn't want to see Franklin down bad or anything like that either, but he, he genuinely did not sign up for this. Like he, he don't, he don't want this no more. And I think that was like what man boy said was kind of foreshadowing. And I think with, with, each individual wanting like their independence or just wanting to do things their way. Franklin does see that as betrayal when it's not really betrayal. And also Franklin keeping a secret that do you think everybody would have benefited from knowing that they're working for the CIA or no? Mm, yes. And no. Cause you know, it's like a two way street. Mm-hmm. Cause knowing you're doing something, it kind of influences the way that you move about certain things. And you know, you could have had a person telling them. Like, I think if we look at how militant Jerome was mm-hmm. when Louis was shot, mm-hmm. that would, knowing, you know, knowing what he knew, what he knows now, he probably would have caused more havoc because he felt like he was protected by the CIA. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, he he would have, let's kill this, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's just do it mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of reap the Bennett, like reap the repercussions after. And it's like, well, let's let's be smart. That's just, I think that's what Franklin's kind of kind of trope was like, let's be smart about it and make a calculated mm-hmm. decision. He's like, let's go now. Cause you know. And I think that if he would have known that they were covered mm-hmm. by the CIA then, mm-hmm. 
you know, it, who knows what would have happened? Who knows what, you know. Decisions they would have made. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, they, they all, none of them could figure out how he beat a murder charge. And I'm just sitting here like, well, that's obvious. Somebody like way, way, way up is yeah. protecting him. But um, we talked about the characters. We talked about the, the theme, um, the writing, the directing. We haven't talked about the directing. This show, unlike um, other shows, like every every aspect of filmmaking is there. Mm-hmm. From the acting, to the writing, to the directing, to the cinematography. that, And even to the to the purpose. I don't think there's any like filler episodes in the show. I don't think there's any filler scenes. There aren't any filler characters. Like every everything has a purpose. Whereas I think we were talking about Euphoria, how great cinematography. The when I feel like a big thing to do when we critique these shows, it's no plight against the actor. Mm-hmm. The actress, you know, I do. I'm pretty sure women want to be referred to as actors. They want to be. They want to. That's their craft. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they don't want to be in a box like I'm an actress. So mm-hmm. I'll say the actors, the the cinematographers, you know, the DPs, the the you know the audio guys. It's it's never a plight on them. I feel like you got to look at the writing staff and you look at the directing. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, Snowfall is this this full it's like a full thing mm-hmm. and you know you can tell like if we're using a euphoria as an example mm-hmm. you can tell what the show lacks mm-hmm. and when you look at the makeup of the show the only writer and director are sam levinson right and i feel like when you look at snowfall you you can see where a team is necessary right and i feel like there's a lot of movies um, there's a lot of movies that are okay movies mm-hmm. in terms of being directed and written by one person, mm-hmm. but everybody knows a team works better. Like the Brown Bunny by Vincent Gallo. Never seen it. It's a. It's like a, it's a. It's a. You probably heard about it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's an okay movie, mm-hmm. and Vincent Gallo stars, direct, writes, and it has a very graphic sex scene. With him and Chloe Sevigny, but it's like the sh- you can tell that it's a good movie that would have been way better if he had a, a staff, a real staff that helped them out. And okay. I feel like Euphoria is a show where you can see like you need a staff to help you out. And Snowfall is like I you we all we're the staff, mm-hmm. and this is there's not a good idea and a bad idea. There's an idea that can be expounded upon, and there's an idea that maybe we can nip a little bit and add something to it, you know, mm-hmm. to make it make it better. And I feel like that is what we what we have, you know, like like you I feel like cuz I don't want to drift too far into euphoria, mm-hmm. but it it's an okay show that could be a lot better. But comparing it to Snowfall is like, you know, comparing you know, like steak and a hamburger. They're kind of the same thing, but yeah. one is definitely a little bit better. Yeah. And and, and again, like, I mean, even even so fleshing out characters, like we see if, if Euphoria is a show about a girl addicted on drugs and like how she is impacting like her like immediate community, then mm-hmm. the show is lacking. Because we, we go into Rue and her mother, but we hardly ever get to see Gia's point of view. Right. Which is, she's her sister. Like anybody knows you grew up with siblings, like 
your family always sees the best and worst of you. Right. Everybody knows your siblings especially see the worst of you. So the fact that we don't have that point of view in Euphoria, but like in Snowfall, we get the point of view of Franklin doesn't have brothers, but Leon is his family. Leon's is like his his best friend. Mm-hmm. We get Leon's point of view. Um, we get his parents' point of view, his uncle, his auntie, all of that. We get his community's point of view, like being a drug de- of him being a drug dealer and the community being like being affected by those drugs and everything. And I will say it's, it's a show that keeps you there for like all the right reasons. I will say the storyline, the characters, the writing is the meat of the show. Like the, the performance, the performances and the writing is the meat of the show. The directing and the cinematography is just a plus. And I like that because I feel like with euphoria, like, you know, I had to stop watching cause it was just too, for me, Snowfall can be graphic and it's a heavy show, but it's nothing they do is, is meaningless. Whereas like Euphoria, I feel like it's too tra- traumatic of a show and too heavy of a show where cinematography, amazing, but it's not enough to keep me watching. Right. Whereas Snowfall, I just feel like the entire show keeps me watching. And it's like, I put it in the category of like, um, have you seen Chernobyl on HBO? That's a movie, right? It's like a, it's a limited series. It's four episodes. I heard about it, or maybe I'm thinking of Chernobyl, like, you know, I know what mm-hmm. Chernobyl is, but mm-hmm. I'm, I haven't seen it or heard of it. Yeah, so, well, the film is just, it's, I mean, the the TV show is, uh, it's a, re- a recount of events, um, basically, with the Chernobyl plant in, in Russia right. in the 80s, and... Um, Again, a fictional story, fictional a fictional story, but real scenarios and real things. And I feel like those are all like Snowfall. I think it's it's a history lesson, but it's also a cautionary tale because with Chernobyl, like they had this big plant explode, and um, they didn't tell the people of their city that shit was going on where they should probably get out. They didn't tell. They didn't alert world leaders anything like that. And even though that's like a chemical plant releasing toxins in the air, mm-hmm. we can that came on 2019. Then we had the pandemic in 2020. And the pandemic kind of followed the same exact mistakes that, that happened in the show. And so I feel like shows like Cherno- Chernobyl and Snowfall coming out the time that they do, I feel like they are cautionary tales of like, this is what happened in the past. Because, you know, nothing's new under the sun. Like, I feel like that's a, a great point that history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. No matter how much people want to, you know admit it like mm-hmm. history always repeats itself over and over and over again yeah. and so like watching these films and this goes into like my, my next topic like how does telling the story impact our community because i feel like it's one thing to read about things happening but it's another thing like people get have a different reaction when they see something visually and i think a lot of us like i know for a fact this show one of the things that this show has stopped me doing i do not say crackhead anymore i used to say and I know that doesn't seem like big to some people out there. Like, oh, I'm still saying like, even, like I'm just joking, whatever, whatever. But I was so far removed from that generation and just seeing like how that like impacted our communities that, you know, like if I'm joking around, like I'm like, they acting like a crackhead, like this must be crack, something like that. But now seeing the show and seeing like what that was actually like doing to our communities. And then again, the show made me so interested in the topic that I went on to read my own books, look at my, um, watch some more documentaries and stuff like that. I feel like when we watch films, like it helps us have a greater understanding of not only like that time period and like what happened, but just like 
humanity. And it, and it definitely helped me understand my parents a lot more. It helped me understand their politics a lot more because to go through something like that and feel like you don't have no help, that you have to turn back to the government that is directly like doing that. Yeah, I would just say the show just impacted the way I just, I, I was definitely seeing things from a certain age, a certain, uh, a certain, a certain age, a certain class level. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say I was definitely seeing it from age and class. And so watching the show, like I like, I see the world completely different, honestly. I think, well, first I'm going to touch on you saying you don't use the word crackhead anymore mm-hmm. because I had, um, I had a teacher in high school, Michael Ayala. Mm-hmm. He like, he's my African-American studies professor, but he would teach us like, you know, I, we would do the kind of hard hitting stuff, but he would be like, there are certain words in our everyday language mm-hmm. that are so desensitized, like the N word, yeah. you know, like, you know, and it's something that we don't think about. And it's something that's in movies and film, and, you know, and TV and like in music and stuff like that. And it's like, these words hold weight. And I'm, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm no person to say like, I don't say the N word. Right, right, right. Like, you know, it's, there are things that hold weight. Mm-hmm. And that phrase, you know, like it's something that's so trivial to, I guess us, mm-hmm. like as, as young people to be like, oh, he acting like a crackhead. You know, like it's, yeah. some, it's something that's so jovial and so, you know, mean mm-hmm. that it's like, there are real people that went through, you know, that, that era. stuff. Yeah, like. And survived. And there's literally some that didn't survive. Exactly. Like, you know, to say like, that's, that's, and I feel like that's such a crazy word. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just thinking about it, you know, like it's, it's, it's really something that, that shouldn't be funny. And it's like, how did it even, you know, spiral to get there? But, you know, like I, I digress. That was, uh, but I like how you brought that up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the that, show is changing your. My viewpoint on right. a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I think that Snowfall hasn't changed my like view mm-hmm. because like I said, you know, like I, I took the courses and I, you know, I, I know a little bit, I, I learned, yeah. you know, but it's like to see something that was taught like in a, you know, in a, in a lecture, in mm-hmm. a book and, you know, to see it kind of, kind of fictionalized, but it's like, oh, that really happened. Yeah. That this is something that was referenced, but mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, this really happened. Like, yeah. it, it kind of shows you, you know, like, wow. And I think one thing that Snowfall does that The Wire kind of picks up on is how far drug money travels. Yeah. And um, The Wire in like season, in the later seasons, seasons four and five, it kind of touches on, you know, how far drugs impact the the local government in mm-hmm. Baltimore but I think Snowfall is kind of taking that up another notch and it's like here's how this drug money is affecting the the, the the government you know in the US the government you know like how we're doing business and everything so mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely like you know seeing how far the drug dollar travels right right and that's what like you know Alton was trying to explain to him, like, not only to Franklin, but to like Teddy, like, you think you're like, you're using our community without our community, they wouldn't have no money. Mm -hmm. So you're using our community to fund an illegal war for what? And Alton asked him to, to understand his place in the world 
over and over again because not only does Teddy not see that he is an actual drug dealer, he doesn't see himself as the white man, which he most certainly is. He he doesn't see it as black and white. He sees it as, because he sees Franklin as a business partner. Right. But he doesn't see how the position that him and Franklin are in, still that dichotomy is influenced by race. Mm-hmm. Even, even if Franklin is, you know, powerful and stuff like that. And it also goes to show you that an exception to the rule doesn't is, isn't the rule you right. know like just because franklin made a lot of money as a drug dealer doesn't mean that you're going to do that too and at some point in time like there's going to be a new reason to to make money there's going to be sorry veering off of that rest in peace to michael k williams but he had has a, a show that i need to watch i think it's a documentary show and it's about like on vice what's it called um i forgot but he he on a, a few episodes he talked to like you know, dealers. Dealer. I'm, I'm thinking it was a crack dealer. It might have been. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, where he's trying to get, not get to the bottom of why these people do what they do, but, you know. Explain, like, how right. the conversation is way more nuanced than I want some money. You're ex- Like, literally. And and that's, like, Franklin's thing. Like, he, he wanted money, but it's like, you grow up seeing your mom break her back doing stuff. Like, I trust me, I understand the motivation. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, again, you have to calculate cost and... When you when you when you calculate it incorrectly, you can end up making decisions that you can't come back from. And I think that's definitely what this show um, shows and encompasses. And I'm excited to just see next this season because I think because because in the trailer what they talk about he's just like um, the crackdown on my people has been brutal. And I think I I feel like we're gonna have a time jump into the 90s. I'm hoping so because if we don't, then I don't really know. I don't know if we can keep the show going year by year. I think that another thing that they have done very well is the way that they tell the time in the show. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like if we're looking at shows now and we reference, you know, we talked about Euphoria, but I think Mm -hmm. that Sam Levinson doesn't know how to tell time. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know how to, doesn't know how to tell a story, you know, in chronological order mm-hmm. and everything is out of place and mismatched. And I think the flashbacks that are in Snowfall and the way that the story is told is very organic and it's not in a forced way mm-hmm. to push something that doesn't fit mm-hmm. in. I think that everything kind of flows at its own pace and it flows very well. And another thing I like is that they don't have a lot of flashbacks. There's yeah. very seldom I think I've seen back like in time. three, yeah. maybe. Like they, they don't go back. Mm-hmm. It's a show where everything is propelling forward and every, like it's, it's we're saying snowfall, but it's really like a snowball. Like it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And now it's this big thing that Franklin is about to blow up. And yeah, exactly. Know. So, so what are your ex- expectations for this season? I, I, tr- I usually try not to have expectations for shows or I, I, most of the time, I don't feel like I have expectations for things. I see the trailer and I'm like, whoa. But definitely after watching the, the documentary I've been talking about, I, um, I really, really, really want them to hit on the crime bill and stuff like that, which I feel like they're going to. But I want them to get, my expectation for them is to continue to show like everything that our community was dealing with. Um, especially with like uh, police brutality and they referenced it on a t- the television. It was in the background. But I also want them to get into the AIDS epidemic because mm. that was hitting our communities. Our community had crack, gangs, and AIDS all at the same time. 
we was down bad. Like I want them to like show like how like that like just the the crack cocaine era bleeds into all these other errors we have in American culture and history. That, and that's another thing we have to applaud John Singleton and the staff on is that they like the Hughes brothers. They made a movie Menace of Society. Mm-hmm that features gangsters mm-hmm. that are doing gangster things mm-hmm. but they're not gang bangers and right. there's no affiliation like i like wasn't manboy was a crip he he ran the crips yeah. but we didn't see like you know we didn't see it as red and blue flags you know the cuz it it wasn't it was more regional at first right. cuz manboy ran compton no then no, or manboy ran no manboy ran compton and scully ran inglewood but I'm just saying it wasn't like a a red and blue kind of thing. And it wasn't like, you know, like it was, it it's, was, it started to be, I'm, it started to be, mm-hmm. but it didn't start out as that. And it, it's yeah, not, yeah, no. it's not the main focal point. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, you know, Minnesota society It's there are gangs mm-hmm. and we're not saying that gangs don't exist, but the way that the media kind of makes black people out to be gang bangers and right. this person, you know, shot by the police. Oh, he was also a blood. He was mm-hmm. also a crip. Like I, I'm glad that there's more media that shows, you know, there the can be lone, you know, yeah. lone gangsters. Like Franklin is a lone gangster. Yeah. He's a he's a non-affiliate. Like he he runs his own militia. He's not a part of a gang. Yeah, so, it's it's really just like the Saint crew, right? And and because that's that's what they say throughout the entire time. Like I'm gonna kill you and the rest of the saints. And it's interesting that it's the Saint crew because Franklin, what they know is that um, Franklin t- took his mother's maiden name back after like his father left. So it really is like in the family. It's not even like he's got his. It's Franklin Williams, and then the rest of them are the saints. Like mm-hmm. it's all it's in the entire Saint crew, and. That was a good point be, to to make about how like Franklin is 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 a lone gangster. Same thing with um, what I feel like about this show is it's kind of like a American Gangster, but a television show. Because mm-hmm. American Gangster, like I I I used to think that I had seen the entire movie because I seen it on BNT so many times until I watched it on Netflix and realized I had only seen the first thirty minutes out of all these years. But Denzel Washington is a, a gangster in New York, and he's bringing heroin. Is it heroin? It was cocaine. It was. Right, I feel like because he went over to Vietnam and saw the opioid fields, and he was flying back and forth, and um, that's something we had to rewatch. Cenophiles, yeah, hop back on it. No, but um, I I definitely see what you're like saying, like the lone gangster. Mm -hmm. He's you know, there's no affiliation, there's no flags, there's no, you know, nothing. He's like, I am a gangster. Yeah, I, you know am this person and i i don't need it to be you know i don't need a family or group of people to be this person that this is who i am right right but expectations um i think that i think that louis and jerome are going to try to step out on franklin Mm -hmm. and i think ultimately they're going to try to they're going to try to backdoor him like i want to say that they're going to try to you know sell him out to you know maybe the feds Mm -hmm. You know, if they get in trouble to, with some, you know, Arkansas people or, you know, make a deal with a new enemy. It's, you know, not saying that they're, they are, you know, sneaky individuals mm-hmm. and not loyal. But I think, like you said, it's kind of a premonition. Like, man, boys, like, they will betray you too. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, I think something's going to happen. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot more murder. I think that, um, I think that we're going to see, like I said, uh, I think Scully is going to become a youth pastor or something. He's going to have like a, a major change of heart. I mm-hmm. think Leon is. I don't know. I don't think he's going to dead the situation that happened with his daughter in. I'm saying major change of heart. Like he's going to just change okay. his own personal okay. you know, way of doing things. Um, I think Leon is going to, you know, figure out a better relationship with Wanda. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens with Franklin's new girlfriend. I feel like he has a bad track record, you know, like we've established. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I want to know how he met this girl and, uh, you know, what, what does she bring to the table? Why, you know, I feel like when you're in this a situation like his mm-hmm. and you have, you know, such loaded stakes and everything is, you know, like, like, you know, not to be funny, but like Spider-Man, like mm-hmm. he's, you know, Peter Parker telling Mary Jane, like, I can't be with you because I have enemies and right. they, they can't come after you. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Franklin is putting her in this equation and it's like, why does he feel comfortable doing that? And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be something that I'm excited to see play out. I am too. Yeah. I, I think Franklin, you know, his he ended the season with his parents leaving. And that was a very hard thing for him. And I feel like Franklin's community, his, his community is getting smaller. And so I think he adds a woman to it all the time because he, he does get lonely. Honestly, truly, he does get lonely. His job requires a certain level of isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited to see what this woman brings to the table. I'm excited to see how, if Franklin takes Leon's advice and takes a step back and lets Louis and Jerome do their thing. It looks like it from the trailers, but I'm excited to see like what his role is now. Um, Leon, I feel like there's a time jump because at the end, he was trying to get out the game. But in this one, he looks like way more like brutal and vicious and like i'm here to like this is this is he i think there was like a a part of the trailer where he's like if the police come at us we're gonna come back just as hard so like it seems like leon has had a change of heart and he wants to you know i I guess he's riding riding till the wheels fall off i'm excited to see his mother's role because i'm his father is dead like teddy showed up to cuba and he was reading The Spook Who Sat By The Door, which is a good book. I'm on chapter 14 out of 20. So when I finish that, I'll let y'all know how it was. But it's a good book so far. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see wh- what his mother's role is in this now. Avi's still in this. So I'm trying to figure out what the hell Avi's doing, his old ass. And Reed, I want to figure out, like, he, he, he went away. He took his break. I'm excited to see what, I'm try, I'm, I want to see if Reed has any type of introspection this season. Mm-hmm. And I also want to know if Gustavo finds Lucia. That's, yeah, that's, I feel like when we talk about plot holes, that's something that doesn't get answered, mm-hmm. but you know, it's coming. It gets hinted at though. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's coming. So, um, there was an interview. I think it was like an interview and they said that the season opens on, uh, Lynn Bias. What? Who's Lynn Bias? You know who Lynn Bias is? The guy in the 1986 draft he was drafted second pick, drafted by the Celtics, and went to University of Maryland. Oh, him! Yeah, opens he was. On him. He, he was in the uh, the documentary that yeah, I was talking but about. I'm saying he was like, oh, so it opens so this season opens on him, right? And it opens on he had a drug overdose. He overdosed on cocaine. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, and um, it was like it was like a joint laced with crack, right? 
something like that. And okay. they said, uh, but you know, like he he was allegedly. I'm gonna say allegedly because he he definitely has talent, and I've seen mm-hmm. the documentaries and I've seen his highlights. Mm-hmm. But they said that he was, you know, better than Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and it's like that. How far the drugs are gonna touch, touch. these people? You know, in T- all they areas. touch everybody's lives in, right. in different ways. And I think, I, and I'm excited to see how that opens this season up because if that's the opening season of Lynn mm-hmm. Bias's death mm-hmm. you know two days after he meets with the Celtics mm-hmm. before he's you know and I think that's another thing like he was about to meet he was about to get drafted or he was drafted mm-hmm. met with the Celtics everything is fine and then boom all that is taken away because of you know these these things that Franklin is doing I'm I'm like I'm excited to see how it's touching crap becoming I want to say more mainstream I'm excited to see how that opens up Franklin more mm-hmm. because he every season he exposes himself even more. And no matter how much he tries to shield himself and protect himself by it touching more people, it exposes himself more. They're going to know where it's coming from. And I'm I'm excited to see how the CIA continues to protect or um, abandons Reed. And I'm also excited, again, just, just to see how crack going mainstream like how that impacts everything else we've seen we've seen we've seen the addicts and we've seen how it impacts the community and we've seen the gangs but we haven't really seen the police crackdown yet mm-hmm. we haven't really seen um rap we haven't seen rappers yet either We're, that's we, another thing yeah we haven't even gotten into hip-hop yet so yeah. I, I i want the show to without losing like its main plot i want the show to expand and touch on all of that stuff and i feel like the center of it being in California, it's it's mad easy. Mm-hmm. It's like Hollywood, like all that stuff. It's it's right in the backyard, and um, that was a good point. But I think watching Snowfall and watching how deep and intricate and calculated everything is, mm-hmm. it's fun to watch a show like BMF mm-hmm. where everything is superficial. I'm mm-hmm. not saying BMF is a superficial show, show, but but it's like. Their reasoning mm-hmm. and you know, cause that that's that is another show that's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's kind of like crazy to watch the contrast of why Franklin is selling crack and why Meech and Terry are selling crack. Mm-hmm. And it's like the things they do with their money, you know, they buy the big chains, they buy the Mercedes, they go to the club. And it's like Franklin is like he's building up his community. It's like it's crazy to see that these things happen at the same time, mm-hmm. but it's also like different regions different it's like major factors but it's like it's it's great that we can come together and watch these shows Mm -hmm. and see how you know just because you know they are you know dealers and i think that's a thing you were saying like everybody's reasoning is different yeah and everybody's you know reward and everything is different for them Mm -hmm. and it's 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 good that we can like compare and contrast but it's like you know polar opposites and it's, it's very it's very interesting that we have this Exactly. Yeah. I to to close off, I just, you know, if you haven't seen Snowfall yet, I I encourage you to watch it. Like I'm not too passionate about shows that I watch because I watch so many things. But if I were if I were to if I were say if I were to say to watch something, it would definitely be uh Snowfall. Um it's a it's a it's an easy watch, I think. Um but definitely start from the beginning. It's on Hulu if you don't if you um if you don't have it. It comes on FX on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. 
they need to move that time up. I I think what <laughs> it is though is that it's like I like I feel like FX. I don't really watch a lot of cable, mm-hmm. but I feel like the shows that I do watch are FX shows mm-hmm. because they're so like they're so mature and they're yeah. so like they're so real. Like Atlanta, it's always sunny. Like they're they're yes. they can be funny shows, mm-hmm. but it's like they're they they show real life mm-hmm. in a way that's like not for TV. Right. And it's like I think that the 10 p.m. slot is like it's like them being like an adult, yeah, we can, adult slot. Right. Like we can compete with HBO. We yeah. can we we can show y'all that, you know, just because it's not premium cable, it's it's still premium cable. Right, right. So yeah. I, I I enjoy it. I, I do too. It's just like sometimes that's that's a little late to have that that much heavy stuff in my mental. Especially if you had a long day, like you know, went to work, went yeah. to school, went all you know, you did all that stuff, and it's like, but it's 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 also like the reward after all that. Mm-hmm. Like you could have a long day and then come home, you know, prop your feet up and like ah, snowfalls on. Yeah, yeah, like, you know. But yeah, uh, this was a great conversation. I'm I just keep looking at the time just to make sure. Um, I mean, it's not like we were going to go over time, but this was a great conversation. Obviously, y'all can see that we can rap about this show all day and we can rap about a lot of stuff. So, you know, this is the first episode in our Cinephiles series. Um, And I'll probably have about like four, about four more episodes, guys. So let me know in the comments what you want to hear about. Um, Nehemiah, thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you for, we're in his space today, y'all. So it's a little different. Thank you for allowing me to be in your space. This is a great conversation. I feel like we have like so many conversations about films and stuff like that, especially with, if you guys don't follow me on Instagram, my name is OG underscore shoddy, S-H-A-W-W-T-Y underscore. I might change it. I don't know. But, um, I do a pause rewind with TV shows, uh, Every week after the new episode. So right before the new episode comes out, I'll do a pause rewind, of a, a recap basically of last week's episode. And I did that with Ghost. I'm doing that with Abbott Elementary. I'm doing that with Blackish because it's their last season. Um, I'm doing that with This Is Us. If you don't watch that show, now This Is Us, that's another show I could go on and on about. But I'm also going to be doing it with Snowfall. So um, watch this episode. Make sure you catch up on all of Snowfall's past episodes on Hulu. Um, and tap into my Instagram to engage in conversation and, and questions with me after every show. But yes, thank you again, Yamai, for, for having me in your space, for being a, a, a guest. And uh, now is the time where I always give my guests an opportunity to like plug themselves, tell people what you do, where to follow you, all that good stuff. Um, yes, my name is Nehemiah Thompson. Uh, we are in MySpace, but you know, like I'm I'm in camera space. She... She asked me to do this and I, I was like, I was very willing because I'm, you know, my Twitter is Max underscore Mill. Um, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a stylist. I'm a personal shopper. Uh, all of that stuff can be found at by Nehemiah on Instagram. Um, yeah, this I'm wearing one of my shirts right now. Just dropped the Black History Month capsule. Um, dropped like every, almost like every two weeks on a Wednesday. So I have a lot of stuff in store and, you know, like I'm, I'm glad I was able to come on here and just wax poetics about something that I love. I love TV. I love media. And I'm just, you know, I'm I'm happy that we had an organic conversation. Yeah. That was, you know, like it just worked. And, you know, man, I'm, I might start a podcast. Listen, if you started, I want to produce it. I think every there's so many things to talk about. And the people have like so many lanes they can go into. You just got to know, like, you know, how to market yourself. And it just takes time because, you know, just 
I'm still in, I'm still really only one year into this podcast stuff. But yes, you guys, I've known Nehemiah for a long time, super talented, super creative. So make sure y'all tap into all of his platforms and um, cop some drip, of course, obviously. Come on, guys. Yes. But yes, thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the on the podcast. Um, as you guys know, even though it's a film series, I still have playlists. My playlists for my film series are going to be a little smaller. I do have a, a Snowfall playlist. It's called Cinephiles colon Snowfall um, on Apple Music and Spotify. And it will be in the description box below. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you have anything, any film, any TV show that you want me to talk about, what you want to talk about with me, you can hit me up on Instagram, hit us up on our podcast page and um, just shoot me a DM and, and, and tell us what you think. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for staying this long into the episode. And please remember to always lead with light and love, which I always try to push at the end of every episode. We will see you guys next episode. Bye. Bye.